Welcome to The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Tuesday, October the 6th, 2020. On this edition of The Politocrat, a look at the issues. The issues that matter. The ones that you do not hear about on your television. Yes, I'm not going to be talking about Mussolini on the balcony. I'm going to be talking about the issues that matter to you, the voter. On this episode, where Joe Biden and Donald Trump stand on Roe versus Wade. That and more coming up next. of coronavirus. This is not a political statement. It's a mask. Welcome back. Before getting into the issue of this particular episode, I wanted to talk about voting. And it's very important to focus on voting because we are now 28 days away. We've got 28 voting days left in this election season. And that's what we really have to look at this as an election season. Exactly 28 days from now, four weeks Four Tuesdays from now, we will be in the very last day of this election season. It will be election day, if you will. And like I say, that is kind of a mockery because people have been voting for over a month now. It is election season and the last day of election season will be November 3rd. So if you have not voted early yet, I would strongly advise you to do that. Really, please do. It's so important. You will be far less stressed if you vote now than if you wait until November the 3rd or wait for another couple of weeks or wait. No. Now, if you're State does not early vote until two weeks from now. That's understood. But make sure that when your state early votes, that you vote on the very first day of early voting. Very important. I did that here in California yesterday. The first day of early voting here in the state. And I made sure that I cast my ballot and voted in every single race on the ballot, voted Democratic, as I've been telling listeners, yourself, and people on Twitter to do, because I think that that is the way forward here. And then what we do is push those Democrats into the positions that we've elected them to, to do what we require. That's how this gets done. It does not get done by sitting on the sidelines. It does not get done by voting third party. We have two choices in the presidential election. And it's very clear what the choice is. You can go with your Mussolini on the balcony if that's what you want. Everybody has a choice. Or you can go with Joe Biden. And from what I've seen from Joe Biden's campaign and what I've seen from him over the last three months or so, he's run, I think, a very good campaign. I think it's been a very good campaign. Now, I've had my criticisms of it from time to time, but I think for the most part, he's run a very good campaign. And I think a far better campaign than Hillary Clinton ran four years ago. 
And I think that Joe Biden largely has taken the right approach. Of course, my criticisms still out, are outstanding about him needing to be more aggressively courting the Latinx vote. And he has been in Florida. He was there yesterday in Miami and he um, was doing some of that and he will be doing some more of it this week. He will be in Arizona on Thursday with Kamala Harris. So I'll talk about her in a few moments. And he's making some efforts. And I think that those efforts are going to pay off. He needs to continue to focus on black men as well and on the youth. Bernie Sanders is not going to get the coverage, of course. But Bernie Sanders yesterday had a, um, I think a town hall or a, a campaign event where he was speaking to the youth and encouraging youth voters, young voters, to vote for Joe Biden. Bernie has the eye, the ear. Bernie Sanders has the ear of young people, and um, I think it's a very good thing that he's doing this. Joe Biden um, knows that Bernie's doing this work. Now, the media is not covering it, or at least they're not reporting it. And to those who say that Bernie Sanders does not campaign for Democrats, oh, he's an independent. Well, Bernie Sanders campaigned for Hillary Clinton more often almost than Hillary Clinton did campaign for Hillary Clinton. He did more campaign events for her than any other Democrat in 2016. You can go and look that up. I'm not making that up. But there's that perception among some that, oh, Bernie Sanders doesn't campaign for Democrats. He doesn't weigh, he's an independent. Again, this is a lot of this is ignorance. A lot of this is misinformation and lies. And a lot of it is the media covers these events, but doesn't report on them. So yesterday, Bernie Sanders had a, a campaign rally town hall, and he encouraged young people to vote for Joe Biden. That's something that I would like to see Joe Biden do a bit more of. Joe Biden had a town hall yesterday in Miami, which was not very diverse as far as I'm concerned. Um, population in Miami is quite diverse. Uh, people would have you believe otherwise. But I think the town hall yesterday was decent. It wasn't the best Joe Biden showing. I think he was a little bit tired. Um, you know, but hey, it was a it was quite a flimsy town hall. I mean, Lester Holt of NBC hosted it. I didn't think it was terrible. Uh, the get the questions are obviously pre-screened, um, and some of them were very loaded questions and seemed like cliched questions rather than issue oriented questions. There were certainly some issue oriented questions, including on the subject that I'm going to be talking about in a few minutes. Roe v. Wade. You will actually hear the questioner ask that question of Joe Biden coming up in a few moments. But that was that with the town hall. Nothing memorable from that town hall. There were a couple of good things that were said by Joe Biden, but, you know, it, all, altogether, that town hall is not going to be remembered very much uh, as we go into these final 28 voting days. I should remind you that tomorrow is the vice presidential debate. Unbelievable that that debate is still going forward after everything we know and what we've learned and what we're still trying to find out um, regarding what's going on at the White House. I am not going to be providing any sound bites or anything like that regarding the media and its reaction to this um, clown, dangerous clown. Um, except only one thing. There's going to be only one soundbite that I play that I that echoes what I have been saying here on this podcast for many weeks and what I've said on Twitter at the popcorn R E E L. So I will play that soundbite. But other than that, nothing else. It is really folly now for people to keep reacting to what this guy does. It really is, and that's exactly what he wants you to do. He does not want you to talk about the issues. He does not want you to talk about COVID-19. And what I am going to be doing here now is we are 28 voting days away from the last day of 
election season is talk about the issues more. I had promised to do that several weeks ago. I had started to do it. Then, of course, the news took over. But again, I am going to return to and stick with and stick to my endeavor and talk about the issues that matter to you. The issues that you will not be hearing on a lot of the corporate news media, you won't hear about them at all. But I I can tell you that I will articulate where the candidates stand on the issues that matter to you. And today it's Roe v. Wade that I'm going to be talking about in just a few moments. But I want to just say again, this debate tomorrow should not be going ahead, quite frankly, between Kamala Harris, the senator out of California, and Vice President Mike Pence. As far as I'm concerned, that debate should not be going on tomorrow. Now, they're going to be between 10 and 12 feet apart, I believe it's going to be. They're going to be sitting at a round table across from each other at the table. There's going to be plexiglass. There is going to be plexiglass between them. And I think that that request was made by Kamala Harris's campaign. I quite frankly think that Kamala Harris and Mike Pence should be in different rooms if there is going to be a debate at all tomorrow. That debate should be in separate rooms. I don't think that that would be too much to ask. What is going on here very clearly is the Commission on Presidential Debates wants a clean, telegenic kind of debate where everything is neat and smooth. But as we know, this pandemic does not make things neat and smooth for anybody. There are 211,000 people in the United States who are dead at the hands of the monster who is parading around on a balcony yesterday. And around the world, over a million people have died from this coronavirus. So the Commission on Presidential Debate should really be less concerned with how something looks than about the, and more concerned about the health and safety of the people participating. Now, to that end, they, I'm not trying to suggest they don't care, but to that end, they have instituted a rule for tomorrow's debate, the only vice presidential debate there will be. And that is to have everybody tested and and also everybody with a mask on in the room. And if anybody comes into that room without a mask on or does not wear one, they will be escorted, escorted out. Now, that will be interesting. Because what if there is some kind of knuckleheaded fool, you know, some kind of knucklehead comes in there and that person's not wearing a mask and that person is spotted without a mask on during the debate as it's going on and then there's this big disruption. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but stranger things have happened. And I wouldn't put that kind of a stunt past the Republicans so that you don't get to focus on what is being said between the two candidates. And all you remember is some Yahoo disrupting the debate and being escorted out because that person refused to put their mask on. I think that this debate tomorrow night will be a whole lot more civil But I really am concerned about the fact that Mike Pence has not quarantined. And he was at this event last week or the week before, September 26th, two Saturdays ago at the Rose Garden, the infamous Supreme Court nominee ceremony. And there are more people today who have been infected. So, I mean, you're going to continue to hear about this, but I do hope that 
Senator Harris keeps herself healthy because this is very, very difficult to be even debating in these circumstances, especially with somebody who has not quarantined. And he was at that event, that Supreme Court nomination event at the Rose Garden. He was sitting less than two people away from someone who got infected. There were people sitting all around him that have tested positive, And yet he has not quarantined. That, that's incredibly negligent. So, you know, I hope this plexiglass helps. Um, it will be the first time we've seen plexiglass at a vice presidential debate on Saturday that just passed by. Jamie Harrison, who is doing very well right now, at least, um, in the race for the South Carolina representation to the U.S. Senate against Lindsey Graham, he used a plexiglass. Didn't hurt his debate performance one bit. I think he was absolutely spectacular on Saturday. So I just want to make sure that you are clear for those of you voting, that there are some voting registration deadlines coming up. Today in New Mexico, the deadline is today, October 6th, voting registration deadline. In Nevada, today also, voting registration deadline, although you can register online until October the 29th. But any other form of voter registration, whether it's in, the mail, uh, on, in person or online, excuse me, in person or by mail, must be postmarked no later than today. So this is a very important day for Nevada voters, for New Mexico voters. And tomorrow in Missouri, October 7th, is the last day to register to vote for this election. So please spread the word to people in those states. I will be also tweeting an alert as well. Very important now as we are in the final 28 days of voting. Next. Roe v. Wade and where Joe Biden and Donald Trump stand. Welcome back. Again, a reminder to vote early, please. Do not be distracted by the noise. And there's a lot of noise now. Obviously, we know what's been going on over the last few days. And I am turning away from all that noise. And I'm really on this podcast now over these next 28 days of voting, going to focus much more on the issues that affect you. Now, obviously, it's very clear to me that Joe Biden must not only win this presidential election, but he must win by a landslide. It is also very clear to me that the Democratic Party must retake the United States Senate and win not just by a couple of seats in terms of having winning a majority just barely, because all it will take is four seats for Democrats to have control. I think the Democrats need to have at least a net gain of 10 seats. I really do. And to really have that satisfying command of the Senate, if, there are, if the Democrats can get up to 56 or 57 seats, that would be, I think, a very healthy thing. Obviously, there are super majorities that are needed in some of the legislation that comes to the Senate for it to be passed, but still, I think that if the Democrats can win 10 seats, and it's very possible that they will in the Senate, given this election and the way things are shaping up, I think it really could be, a, it will be a really strong position. So be not distracted by the noise. Be not distracted by the scandal and the reaction to it and the theatrics of everything. But focus on voting and focus on telling your friends to do the same. Focus on getting the message out, on helping a campaign, whether it's Joe Biden's, whether it is a senator's, 
whether it is a local campaign that you are passionate about or interested in, get involved, please. Phone bank, text, become a poll worker. I have a voting guide on my Twitter page, a pinned tweet at the popcorn R-E-E-L, where you can get links to being a poll watcher, excuse me, a poll worker in your state. What the other guy wants is for people to intimidate you as you vote. But what I want for you is to actually work at the polls, particularly if you are a younger person. If you are a younger person, a young person particularly, then it would be optimal. And you get paid, and you get paid pretty decently actually in some states versus others, but you get paid pretty well. And what's encouraging is that there are young people um, applying in record numbers to be poll workers. And that's very good given where we are with this virus right now. Ignore the polls, please. These national polls, again, they mean nothing. These statewide polls in these states mean absolutely nothing. What does mean something is you voting. So please do so if you haven't. And do so now. Thank you very much. So now about Roe versus Wade, the issues, the issues, the issues, Roe v. Wade, obviously a very important Supreme Court precedent that was decided in January of 1973, a very, very important Supreme Court precedent that allowed for women to have abortions legally and that in the United States was a very significant decision because prior to that, it was really only rich women who could get away with having abortions, get away with meaning they had the financial largesse to do so. But for the vast majority of women, it was the days of the back alley. You know? Um, But... Thank you to the Supreme Court in 1973 for giving women the right to choose to have the autonomy over their bodies that, quite frankly, they should have been able to have centuries before. But now what we are seeing with Roe versus Wade is that a woman's right to choose now is being chipped away at the attacks on the Roe versus Wade by the Republican Party and the Conservatives, the laws in several states which have literally in some states whittled down the number of abortion clinics to just one in an entire state. Places like Alabama, for example, where there's literally less than, I think, one, maybe five total, three total, or one clinic for abortion in the whole country, excuse me, in the whole state. You know, this election, obviously, look, I'm clear on the fact that Joe Biden is the only option as far as I'm concerned. But I'm not just voting for Joe Biden. I'm voting down ballot for all the Democrats. I have voted. I've already told you I've voted. I did that yesterday. But this whole thing about Roe v. Wade is so critical. Because this is an issue that affects everybody. It obviously affects directly women, but it affects all of us. Do you really want to live in a country where a woman does not have a right to decide what she can do with her body? Could you imagine a society where that was imposed on men? That a man could not decide whether or not he was allowed to use condoms? And he had to, every time he had sex, he had to not use any form of birth control. 
and that if he wanted to have any kind of sex at all, it had to be unprotected sex. And if he was worried about impregnating a woman, the best thing for him to do would be to get a vasectomy. I mean, imagine if that was the society that you were living in, men, listening to me right now. Imagine if that was the society that you were living in, where every man who had sex was outlawed from using condoms. He couldn't be able to decide what to do with his body when it came to condoms because condoms are outlawed. You can't use them. Imagine that society. Maybe you think that's great. Maybe you think, oh, that's great. Yeah, it's better without a condom on. However, 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 if the same society, the same society said to you that tough, if you get a woman pregnant, you're responsible. And it's either that or a vasectomy. Or, hey, you know what? You can get an STD, but oh, you don't have any choice in the matter. You don't get to choose what to do with your body because we, the state, proscribe what you do. If that were the society that were that men were living in. What do you think those men would do? What would you do as a man in a society like that? What would you do? Look, I'm not saying that this is an exact analogy, an, an exact analogy, because it certainly is not where it comes to women. But the Republican Party is certainly big government when it comes to women and what a woman can do with her body and her own physical and psychological autonomy over what she does in her life with her body, the decisions she gets to make. And these old, crusty white men and younger white men are making these decisions in legislation. You've got Donald Trump doing it with the appointments that he has for the U.S. Supreme Court. And I want to get to that now because this is about where these two candidates stand on Roe versus Wade, a.k.a. a woman's right to choose. And this is going to not just be about where they're standing now. I'm going to play you audio of where they have been standing and whether or not there have been any changes in their stance. For Joe Biden, I'm going to play some clips, starting with one in 2012. For Donald Trump, I'm going to play clips starting back in 1999. So I'm going to give you a rounded view of where Joe Biden and Donald Trump stand on the issue of a woman's right to choose. You will be able to obviously decide for yourself whether or not their positions have changed, stayed the same, modified, evolved, whatever you want to call it. First of all, Joe Biden. This is what Joe Biden said. Actually, let me start with Donald Trump, actually, because I'm going to go with the years chronologically, one to the other. So we go with the earliest year that I have here. This is Donald Trump in 1999, his view on a woman's right to choose. And here he is talking to the late, the now late, but great Tim Russett. Partial birth abortion. The eliminating of abortion in the third trimester. Big issue in Washington. Would President Trump ban partial birth abortion? Well, look, I'm, I'm 
very pro-choice. And again, it may be a little bit of a New York background because there is some different attitude in different parts of the country. And, you know, I was raised in New York and grew up and work and everything else in New York City. But you would not ban it? No. Or ban partial birth abortion? No, I would. I would. I am, I am pro-choice in every respect and as far as it goes, but I just hate it. So that was Donald Trump in 1999. I'm pro-choice in every respect, but I hate it. What is he talking about? What do you hate? Pro Being pro-choice? This is a guy who always sends mixed signals in everything he says. Sometimes they're not mixed signals, but sometimes they are. I'm pro-choice in every respect, but I hate it. Or, and I hate it. That was Donald Trump in 1999. Here's Joe Biden during his vice presidential debate with Paul Ryan in October of 2012. And this is what Joe Biden had to say about a woman's right to choose. Vice President Biden. My religion uh, defines who I am. And uh, I've been a practicing Catholic my whole life. Um, And uh, it has particularly informed my social doctrine. Catholic social doctrine talks about taking care of those who who, uh, can't take care of themselves, uh, people who need help. with regard, to, um, with regard to abortion, I accept my church's position on abortion as a, what we call de fide doctrine. Life begins at conception. That's the church's judgment. I accept it in my personal life. But I refuse to impose it on equally devout Christians and Muslims and Jews. And, uh, I just refuse to impose that on others, unlike my friend here, the, the congressman. Uh, I, uh, I do not believe that, um, uh, that we have a right to tell other people that women, they, they can't control their body. It's a decision between them and their doctor, in my view. In the Supreme Court, I'm not going to interfere with that. Um, with regard to the assault on the Catholic Church, let me make it absolutely clear. No religious institution, Catholic or otherwise including Catholic social services, Georgetown Hospital, Mercy Hospital, any hospital. None has to either refer for contraception. None has to pay for contraception. None has to be a vehicle to get contraception in any insurance policy they provide. That is a fact. That is a fact. Now, with regard to the way in which we differ, uh, uh, my friend says uh, that... um, he, uh, um, well, I guess he accepts Governor Romney's position now because in the past uh, he has argued that um, uh, there was, uh, there's rape, enforceable rape. He's argued that in the case of rape or incest, uh, it was still, it would be a crime to engage in having an abortion. I just fundamentally disagree with my friend. So that was Joe Biden in 2012 talking about his faith, but then really talking about the issue of a right to choose and how he thinks that that should not be imposed, you know, the Catholic faith approach to a woman's right to choose should not be imposed on women. You know, the Catholic Church dogma is very strict about this, is that a woman should be carrying her child to term and to full term and and Joe Biden says well you know I respect and adhere to that but what I think personally is not what should be pushed onto every woman and I think that no woman should um be subject to that they should have a right to choose so that was Joe Biden in 2012 this is what Donald Trump said in 2004 about pregnancy. Well, you know, pregnancy is never, um, it's a wonderful thing for the woman, it's a wonderful thing for the husband, it's certainly an inconvenience for a business. And uh, whether people want to say that or not, the fact is, it is an inconvenience for a person that is running a business. 
So Donald Trump is telling you that pregnancy is an inconvenience. And I don't care what his rationale for saying that is. What he is also saying, if you listen with a third ear, is that women are an inconvenience. See, damn it. People have to learn to listen with a third ear. This is something that Joe Madison talks about a lot. And I've talked about Joe Madison before. The Black Eagle on Sirius XM Radio. Please follow him on Twitter at Madison Sirius, which is S-I-R-I-U-S-X-M. Madison Sirius XM. That's on Twitter. Please follow him and listen to his show. And the subscription is $19.99, I think, a month for Sirius XM. He's on channel 126, The Urban View. People have got to learn to listen with a third ear. Oh, well, well, you know, pregnancy it may be lovely for the, for, the, for, her, for the woman and for the husband. And, uh, and uh, you know, um, but it's an inconvenience for business. Uh, you know. But he didn't say what it was for him specifically. But what he is saying in that clip that you heard is that women are an inconvenience. That's what he's really saying. Now, he didn't actually say those words. But if you listen with a third ear, the code underneath is that he is saying that women are an inconvenience. And women, in his view, I think, and that's clear by the undertone of what's being said in the third ear voice, is that women are an inconvenience to business in his view. That's the subtext, and it's not even subtext, it's blatant. Blatant. What should the law be on abortion? Well, I, I, I have been pro-life. I know. What should the law? I know your principal. That's a good value. But well, you know, what should be the law? This presidential election is going to be very important because when you say what's the law, nobody knows what the law is going to be. It depends on who gets elected because somebody's going to appoint conservative judges and somebody's going to appoint liberal judges depending on who wins. I've so, never understood the pro-life position. Well, I never understood you know, because I understand the principle. Understand. It's human life as people see it. Which but what it is. crime? What, well, what crime is it? Well, it's human life. No, should the woman be punished for having an abortion? Uh, look, uh, I would say that it's a very serious problem, and it's a problem that we have to decide on. Uh, is it's very? But you're I mean, forbidding are you it. Are going to say? Well, wait. Are you going to say put them in jail? Are you, is that? Well, the no. What I'm asking you, about? because you say you want to ban it. What's I, that I mean? Would, I am against. I am pro-life. Yes. What is ban? How do you ban abortion? How do you actually do it? Uh, well, you know, you'll go back to a a position like they had, where people will perhaps go to illegal places. Yeah. But you have to ban it. Do you believe no, in? But, but do you believe in punishment for abortion? Yes or no? Is the principle uh, the answer is that there has to be some form of punishment for the woman yeah there has to be some form 10 cents 10 years i don't what? know that i don't know that well, why I don't not know. i don't you know you take positions and everything else i frankly i do take positions and everything else it's a very complicated position yes, i'm asking you're running no, for no. president i'm not i'm Chris, asking you Chris, what should a woman face no, no, if she chooses I, I to have I'm an abortion not do that. i'm not going to do that game you game you have you, you said you're pro-life you have i am pro-life that means banning abortions Welcome back. That was Donald Trump in 2016 with Chris Matthews of MSNBC at that time, March 2016, during the campaign. Donald Trump saying that he favors punishment for women who have abortions. That is really the clearest that he had been at the time. After the 2004 comment that you heard before the break, this was this March 16th comment, excuse me, this March 2016 comment was another even clearer signal 
about what he thinks about women and their ability to choose for themselves what they do with their own bodies. Now, here's what he said. Later that year, in fact, October of 2016, in the final debate that he had with Hillary Rodham Clinton in Las Vegas was the location of that debate. This is what he said in that final debate four years ago. And that's the issue of abortion. Right. Mr. Trump, you're pro-life, but I, I want to ask you specifically, do you want the court, including the justices that you will name, to overturn Roe v. Wade, which includes, in fact states, a woman's right to abortion? Well, if that would happen, because I am pro-life and I will be appointing pro-life judges, I would think that that will go back to the individual states. But I'm asking you specifically, would you if like If they to... overturned it, it'll go back to the states. But what I'm asking you, sir, is do you want to see the court overturned? You just said you want to see the court protect the Second Amendment. Do you want to see the court overturn Roe v. Well, if we put another two or perhaps three justices on, that's really what's going to be, ha that will happen. And that'll happen automatically, in my opinion, because I am putting pro-life justices on the court. I will say this, it will go back to the states and the states will then make a determination. Secretary. So that is an even clearer statement from Donald Trump about where he stands on a woman's right to choose, a.k.a. he wants to eliminate a woman's right to choose. Uh, well, if I can get two, maybe three judges on the Supreme Court, uh, you know, yeah, that will go away and the judges will, um, the states will uh, make a decision and they will go back to the states and yeah, and it will, yeah, and they'll make the ultimate. Listen, he's waffling around there and what he is saying is yes, he will get rid of it. He said, I'll appoint pro-life judges. What does that mean? Obviously, he'll appoint judges who will eliminate a woman's right to choose. Now, of course, that's not how he's saying it. But if you listen with the third ear, that is exactly what he is saying. I am going to eliminate a woman's right to choose what to do with her own body by putting judges on the bench who will do that for me. And that's exactly what he has done now because, as you know, last month at the infamous COVID convention, in the Rose Garden, Trump named the staunchly far-right conservative Amy Coney Barrett to the U.S. Supreme Court. Judge Barrett has been extremely conservative. She claims that, oh, I don't want to do much of Roe v. Wade, but she is a staunch anti-Roe v. Wade judge. And it's very, very clear where she stands. And if she gets on that court, you can kiss the ass of Roe versus Wade goodbye. You can kiss a woman's right to choose goodbye. Make no mistake about it. And Donald Trump has consistently moved in the direction of completely eliminating any right to choose by a woman. When it comes to her own body, her own planning, he's completely gone to the 1950s. That's what he embodies. Even that 1999 comment that you heard earlier, I am pro-choice in every respect, but I hate it. Guy is contradicting himself even in that comment. What do you hate? Obviously, you hate the idea of a woman choosing for herself. Which means that you prefer to have women be complete robots who follow everything that a man does. And there are women 
in the world who believe that still in 2020. A small group of women, not many, but some of them were on display at the Republican National Convention back in August. One of whom believes that in a household, only the man can get to vote and that man represents the vote for everyone in the household. There is an individual who believes that who got to speak at the RNC convention in August. So that is where Donald Trump wants to take women. Donald Trump wants to send women to the back alley. And if Joe Biden started to say things like that in his campaign, I think it would galvanize women even more. But the thing is, is that Joe Biden knows that if he starts to get caught up in very, still very um, touchy, to say the least, very urgent and powerful issues in this country, he will be playing the game with the Republicans and Donald Trump, which is why he has largely avoided dealing with these issues and continuing to hit hard on them. I mean, he has done when he's asked But his focus is coronavirus, as it should be. But everything else should not be off the table either. Now, look. Joe Biden has supported something that could be construed as reducing a woman's right to choose as well. In fact, I'm going to play that clip. Um, Quite frankly, you don't I don't think in this clip you hear Joe Biden saying anything, but you do hear two people on CBS N, the CBS network, the online news network that CBS News has talking about Joe Biden's position on the Hyde Amendment. This is from June 2019. You know, Biden also came out saying he supports the Hyde Amendment, which would, Mm -hmm. um, for folks who are not familiar, it would ban the use of federal funds for certain abortions. Why Mm -hmm. why did he come out to say that? Well, this is a really interesting uh, part of the primary right now where you're seeing uh, Democrats really take a more aggressive stance on abortion rights. And that comes after we've seen at the state level uh, measures passed in various states to uh, ban abortion, even uh, among uh, even with extreme cases. And so you saw a reaction to that among all of the candidates. So more so than before, abortion rights are kind of front and center of the Democratic primary right now. Uh, The Biden support for the Hyde Amendment is really significant because you've seen all of these other candidates come out and start to denigrate Biden over this, though not mentioning him by name. So that was in June of 2019. And to make it a bit clearer for you, in case you may not have got the context of all of that. Joe Biden announced in 2019, during this presidential campaign, in the primaries at least, that he supported the Hyde Amendment, which is something that Bernie Sanders really took him to task about. And that's what the two newscasters that you heard there were talking about without naming names. Bernie Sanders, who is a progressive, as am I, was very clear during the primaries that You know, Joe Biden supports the Hyde Amendment, which is true. He does. He voted for the Hyde Amendment, if I'm not mistaken. And the Hyde Amendment would prohibit federal funds, a.k.a., in fact, in this case, Medicaid, from being used to fund abortions. And so anything around that was not allowed to be used, whether it was uh, funding for birth control, anything like that. The Hyde Amendment prohibited any kind of Medicaid funds being used, federal funds. That's Medicaid. So that adversely affected millions of or many black women, many brown women. So their ability to choose for themselves what to do with their bodies was severely curtailed by the Hyde Amendment, which quite frankly, is an arm of Roe versus Wade. I mean, an, an arm against Roe versus Wade, I'm sorry. The amendment, the Hyde Amendment, was named after Henry Hyde, who was a congressman who ended up 
having to, I think, retire because he got involved in a sex scandal or to step down or something back in the um, 1990s during the whole Clinton thing. And I think he passed away. I'm not sure. I don't want to say that just in case I'm wrong. So, But, there were, but it was found out that during the Clinton uh, impeachment in 1998-99, a whole series of men who were indicting Clinton publicly, how dare you, you know, get a a, a blowjob from Monica Lewinsky, how dare you, man, how dare you. These guys themselves were cheating on their spouses, and Newt Gingrich, chief among them, with Miss Callista, Callista, and he were engaging in an affair while his own wife was sick with cancer and practically on her deathbed in hospital. So it shows you the immorality of people. And look, it's their own personal thing. It is icky to talk about this kind of stuff because human beings make human choices to do things in the privacy of their own relationships, which can be really murky and peculiar. And maybe people listening to this have been involved in decisions like this of their own. But if that is the case, then what about getting involved in a woman's body? Why should these men have any province to interfere with a woman and her body? Why should these men ever interfere with a woman's decision-making when it comes to her body and her autonomy? Why is that being so openly legislated against? I mean, these are more rhetorical questions more than anything. In a patriarchal society, this is what you get. But the Hyde Amendment, and and it's up to us, by the way, to fight back and maintain a woman's right to choose in this country. This would be the time to be in the streets. I know that there's COVID-19 about, but this is the time right now. This would be it. Can you imagine with 28 voting days left, the kind of signal that would be sent or could be sent if hundreds of thousands of people got into the streets? I mean, Black Lives Matter protesters are doing that. They're still doing it. It doesn't get reported now not getting the coverage, but believe me, they're still protesting. And I said that they would be. I told people that this protesting would go straight up into the election. We've had another black man killed by police, Jonathan Price. So, I mean, that's not even being talked about. Unless you go on social media. But it's very, very clear that the Hyde Amendment is a real issue. And I don't know, I mean, I, I got to say, I don't know if it still exists or not. I think it, it may, um, but I need to do my own research. And I'm, I'm sorry, I did not. I, I did not do that before I started this episode today. My apologies, that's shame on me. But that is the Hyde Amendment. Joe Biden said in 2019 on the campaign trail, you didn't hear him say it there. But he does support it. He said that. He said that during a debate with Bernie Sanders earlier this year. So, I mean, that is on record. So this idea that Joe Biden is this radical and is in the pocket of the left, the far left, the radical left, you know, it's garbage. It's garbage. And they know it's garbage. The liars like Donald Trump know that that's not true about Joe Biden. They know that. They are really talking to their own base at that point. Because everybody who knows about Joe Biden knows he is no flaming radical. He does not support the Green New Deal. He is not stopping the fracking that is currently ongoing. And he does not support Medicare for all. Now, if you think that those are the kinds of positions that progressives take and the so-called far left takes, well... You need to do a checkup from the neck up. Because progressives stand strongly against fracking, 
They stand strongly for Medicare for all, and they stand strongly for the Green New Deal. All of which Joe Biden registers a level of opposition to in terms of the fracking. He is not stopping fracking. He just says that he doesn't want new fracking. See, stuff like that, when you kind of set that up, it confuses people. And they see that you're doing this delicate dance and you're trying to dance on the head of a pin. And that gets Democrats in trouble sometimes when they try to do that. The whole John Kerry thing, I was for the war before I was against it and all this kind of crap. Democrats do get themselves twisted in knots about these kinds of things. Hillary Clinton and the TPP, you know, three weeks before the election in 2016, she all of a sudden did an about face on the TPP when everybody in the world and their sister knew that Hillary Clinton had supported the Trans-Pacific Partnership, TPP. So, you know, that's a whole nother story. But yes, it's true. Joe Biden supports the Hyde Amendment. When I come back, I'm going to play you what he said last night during his town hall with NBC, Lester Holt, and voters in Miami. The coronavirus. This is their new hoax. We have it totally under control. It's one person coming in from China. One day it's like a miracle, it will disappear. When you have 15 people, and within a couple of days, it's going to be down to close to zero. We really think we've done a great job in keeping it down to a minimum. I like this stuff. I really get it. People are surprised if I understand it. No, I don't take responsibility at all. Priorities USA Action is responsible for the content of this ad. But what is it, Mary, about this president that he is willing to put so many people at risk of a very dangerous and deadly virus? What is that? He, he doesn't care. He has no empathy for other people. Um, and and we, we've seen this in the last few days. He is willing to lie to the American people and put who knows how many millions of them at risk by pretending that the coronavirus is not something to be afraid of when it is. And it has killed in excess of 210,000 people because of his inaction, his willful inaction, in order to make himself look like a tough guy. That's, um, that, that's dangerous. Uh, that's an understatement, but, uh, <laughs> you know, here we are. Dangerous, uh, maniacal is a, maybe a better word, but I mean, it's, it's, it's well, and, an, an unbelievable. And let, let's be honest, it's, it's mass murder because he could have done something. You know, when when between 60 and 90 percent of the people who are dead should not have been because the policies that could have mitigated this disaster were not put in place, even though he had all of the facts he needed. That is intentional. And it's it's so insulting for him to say that he's just now learning about COVID-19 because it's affecting him. I have been saying what Mary Trump has been saying, and I've been saying it for several months now. Donald Trump is a murderer. Welcome back. Joe Biden had a town hall yesterday, last night on NBC. It was televised on NBC News Now and on MSNBC. It was one hour live, went by like a flash. Lester Holt was the moderator and there were voters in Miami where Joe Biden was yesterday asking him questions. Now, it was a largely uneventful town hall and it was not really one of the more memorable Joe Biden performances. He did what he had to do. A little bit rickety on some of the answers. Um, you know, but look, every candidate is not going to have their greatest day. But a little bit flat yesterday was last night was Joe. But, you know, again, um, I think a lot of that comes down to uh, 
the campaign events, I mean, even though he has not been campaigning, um, obviously because of this virus, he has not been campaigning as vigorously. He's still campaigning very vigorously, if you can understand why that makes sense. He actually is. You know, he's doing lots of virtual town halls. He's doing a number of different speeches. He's been out and about. This nonsense about him being in a basement is just garbage. It's just absolute nonsense. He is working his socks off, so is his team. And as I said earlier, his debate, excuse me, his um, campaign is being very well run. Very well run. And uh, again, uh, my, my criticisms aside with a couple of things, he is running a much smarter and much better campaign than Hillary Clinton did in 2016. So with that, Last night, Joe Biden, at his town hall with Lester Holt, gave an answer to this question about a woman's right to choose. I knew whenever I was graduating high school and entering college that I wanted to obtain my degree and start a career before starting a family. Having access to birth control and safe reproductive health care was imperative in making that um, true for me. So um, considering the new Supreme Court nomination of Amy um, Coney Barrett, what are your particular plans to protect women's reproductive rights in the U.S.? Number one, we don't know exactly what she will do, although the expectation is that she may very well move to overview, overview, overrule Roe. And but the only thing, the only responsible response to that would be to pass legislation making Roe the law of the land. That's what I would do. So that was Joe Biden's answer last night. He would make Roe v. Wade the law of the land if Supreme Court nominee Judge Amy Coney Barrett becomes Justice Barrett. He, if he were elected president, would make Roe v. Law, (laughs) Roe v. Law, yeah, Roe v. Wade the law of the land with legislation. And that's how you would do it. He wouldn't, you can't do that through executive order. You've got to go through Congress. And what does that mean? What he didn't say, which is that you, the voter, have got to vote in a Democratic House and Senate. That's the only way that this kind of thing gets done. If you believe that a woman should have the right to her own autonomy. And for God's sakes, people, this is 2020 going into 2021. If you believe that a woman should have the right to her own body and the right to make decisions about her own body and the right for her to choose then vote for a Democratic Senate. Vote to keep the Democratic House and vote Joe Biden. I mean, that's an issue that is very simple in terms of what you should be doing about it. And in addition to voting Democratic House, Democratic Senate, and Democratic President, at least a Democratic nominee for president, make sure that you Call your legislators. Make sure that you call them in the state that you live in. Make sure that you call them in the Senate. Make sure that you let them hear your voice. That's how you get this stuff done. So that's the part that Joe Biden kind of didn't get the chance to say or he just left out or he, you know, he was pushed for time. He was repeatedly told, well, we've got a few minutes left. We've got three. And that's the thing about these town halls and these debates. It's ridiculous. You really need more in town halls than an hour with three commercial interruptions. I mean, that's just not really a debate and a town hall. You need to have time. And in, of course, the debate where there was no commercial interruptions, you had an interruption. His name was Donald Trump interrupted at least 128 times. I've heard 180. Joe Biden said 183 times on the stage last night. But the point is, is that Joe Biden, from these 
clips I've played you, it's very clear he is a pro-choice candidate. And even though he does not support federal funding being used for abortions, he does support a woman's right to choose. For him, it's just a question of what kind of monies are being used to facilitate that right to choose. And he is against using Medicaid money for an abortion. Now, look, I have some problems with that position because that leaves out a lot of women in this country who are being forced then to carry to term. And they may not have wanted to. Because Medicaid covers a lot of people who are poor. So there are poor white women who get affected. There are poor black women who get affected. And there are poor brown women who get affected by the Hyde Amendment. Millions of women in those categories do. So I do have a problem with that position by from Biden. But overall, Joe Biden is very clear. He supports a woman's right to choose. And as you heard in that last clip, if Amy Coney Barrett gets onto the Supreme Court and Joe Biden is in the White House, he will make sure that there is legislation declaring that Roe versus Wade is the law of the land. And the way to do that is really through Congress. That's how you do that. He alone cannot just sign an executive order and do that. Donald Trump's been doing these ridiculous executive orders that are dangerous, but also toothless. So Joe Biden knows that you need, and he used to be in the Senate as someone who was in the Senate for many years. He knows that you need the House and the Senate to sign off on making Roe the law of the land. And that's what he would do. And I believe him. Versus Donald Trump, who... You should, be, you should believe this. He wants to eliminate a woman's right to choose. Your right to choose. That is the issue. Joe Biden wants to declare Roe versus Wade the law of the land. Should he get in and Amy Coney Barrett gets on to the Supreme Court? And Donald Trump makes it very clear. I am pro-choice in every respect, but I hate it. Pregnancy is an inconvenience. Women should be punished who have abortions. And he's put three or is about to put a third person on the Supreme Court who will be the nail in the coffin of Roe versus Wade. Certainly Obamacare is going to be first to go, for sure. That's going to be first to go if she gets on the court, Barrett. And then it will be Roe v. Wade. So I think the choice is very clear here. Joe Biden supports a woman's right to choose. Donald Trump does not. So for me, that should be a slam dunk for everybody, not just women but everyone else who votes. Thank you for listening to this edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore.